0: Welcome back, guys. Episode 6. Episode we are six. very excited about this one. Uh, welcome to the Rooted in Logos podcast. My name is Brad. I'm joined with my dear friends and co-conspirators, Carter and Austin. Hey, guys. Yo, yo, yo. We are very excited to bring another episode to you guys. Thanks again for all your support. Um, reach out to us on social media, uh, Rooted in Logos, rootedinlogospod at gmail.com, rootedinlogos.com, Facebook, Instagram maybe apple at some point in the near future some point That's maybe the hope. who knows at this point uh, anyway so today we are going to get into some verses that people commonly take out of context i am excited about this one because this is one of my biggest pet peeves is when i see these verses that are on bumper stickers or cross stitched on pillows or on a mug or Tattoos. tattooed on people Wow, that was, awesome. that was awesome! For those who didn't see it, we fist bumped because mm-hmm. that was a cool moment don't right know how there. We did that. Um, that it's a pet peeve of mine to see these over and over again and be like, "That is not what that means. That is not what Paul was saying. That is not what David was saying." Ah, so in light of uh, Tuesday's episode, context is key. Let's dig into some commonly misinterpreted or misrepresented verses in Scripture. We each have a little bit of a list. So we're just going to kind of take turns going through some verses that either annoy us or that we feel need some clarification. Uh, So I actually want to start with Carter today on his first one, probably the one that he stole from me, my guess, but here we go philippians four thirteen. yeah you stole that one from yeah. me <laughs> yeah mm-hmm.
1: we all know it i can do all things through him who strengthens me or yes. through christ who strengthens me however your translation reads um everyone who reads this is like well or will use it super wrong like i can do everything i want like i can go buy a new car i can climb this mountain whatever it is you think that
0: fits to it i can play in the nba exactly. i can be a major league baseball player
2: I can score this next soccer goal in my high school career.
0: I can beat this video game. Right. Anything.
1: And Through Christ. And Through yeah. Christ. No, of a big part that I want to point out is it uses the word can, not will. We do have Christ who strengthens us. And if you think about it, we could do anything because of how powerful he is. But it doesn't mean that we will do everything. And in this, he's Paul is referring to hardships as a result of living out his faith. He's not talking about what we just said, all the ways that people interpret it. So that one is definitely one of the most commonly misused when you think about it.
2: Crazy too. Cause yeah, Paul is in prison, which means he's contemplating his death. Cause shortly after he, he will be put to death. So doing all things through Christ who strengthens me, he is preparing for death as in he knows the only person who can strengthen him for his death is Christ. It's not blasphemy, but but it's almost to that point of saying, "Oh yeah, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I, I can go win this goal, or I can go climb this mountain. I can go jump this tree. Whatever. I uh, just yeah blows blows my mind. No, that's not what it means. Thank you, Carter. That was that was that was also one. And, of and go ahead, guys.
0: Carter. Read ten through thirteen, just to give context, just to. Uh, Put it in perspective to kind of tie a bow on what Austin said about it. So starting at verse 10, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now
1: at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Now that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need, I can do all things through him who strengthens me.
0: And Paul's talking about, in this scenario, he is in need. He is not abounding. He doesn't have a lot of money, doesn't have a lot of food, doesn't have a lot of resources, but he's okay, and he's content. He's also content when he has those things. Everything he faces, he can handle because of Christ. And it's it's not want, it's need. He,
2: he is in need, and God fulfills his need. Just like the Lord's Prayer, you know, Give us this day our daily bread. That daily bread is for that day. It is not for the next 30 days, the next 90 years.
0: It is for give me what can sustain me this day. Uh, I'm going to jump in and I'm going to look at Psalm 4610. Psalm 4610. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. So how do we see that passage used out of context? Well, simply put, we see it on mugs, t-shirts, be still, be still. Or Instagram bios, or Instagram bios, be still and know that I am God. Well, and I've actually been guilty of this myself. Talking about maybe getting quiet, maybe getting centered, right? Um Yeah, but that's not what that's not what we're talking about here in Psalms. In a great in the greater context, he's actually talking about God being a refuge and strength, and also talking about making the nations understand that He is God. I was doing some research on this verse too, and it's like it was saying
1: most people that read this verse don't read that second part, like after the semicolon. They context. just read the yeah, <laughs> yeah. They
0: just read the "be still, know that I'm God." And I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted. On the earth. And so I'm going to read uh, verses 9, 10, and 11. He makes wars to cease throughout the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields in fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted over the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. He's talking about battle, he's talking about nations raging against each other. And ultimately, God's like, I am going to win this. Be still, know that I am God. I actually kind of think it's almost a foreshadowing of Christ being on the water Mm. and saying, peace, be still to the raging waves and to the storm that they were in. God is telling people that are warring, that are fighting, that are battling, be still. I am God. I am in control. I will win this. So, that's what that verse is actually talking about. Basically, this verse commands the nations and commands believers to not panic and recognize his sovereignty.
2: I I see it as, you know, when David is coming out on the field with Israel and the Philistines, you have the giant Goliath, right? He comes out to the battlefield, and it's like that, that moment... You know, God is saying, be still and know that I'm God. I'm going to use this little boy, strike a stone between the center of this giant's eyes,
0: and then have this little boy decapitate this giant.
2: I am God.
0: Exactly. I did this. This is a show of force by God. This is not a tender call to read your Bible in a meadow and with coffee and birds. Go sit
2: sit in a creek and listen (laughs) to the babbling brook. Be still.
0: Carter is chuckling at me because I'm making like weird motions when I'm doing this. I'm <laughs> Brad likes there. to talk with they his hands. Perfectly fit, the
1: they perfectly fluids. fit the tone of voice. It does. That. It does. The way people envision this. It's very yeah. fluent.
0: So, again, this isn't a call to meditation and peaceful flowery Bible reading. This is a show of force. So just keep that in mind when you see the uh, be still t-shirts. Expounding on that, looking at it from a spiritual warfare
2: aspect. You know, you are going through life, and you are, hit, you are being hit hard with some major spiritual warfare. And again, not that sit in a meadow and contemplate that, but you are in the middle of the fight of your life. And to take a minute and tell yourself, I'm not in control. Be still. God is in control. I'm not going to win this. He's going to win
0: this. I just need to let him do it through me. Absolutely. Just so you know, we're not skipping Austin. Uh, Austin's is very specific and we're very excited about it, but I'm going to go back to Carter for the next one
2: I had a couple verses we were going to go through I wanted to go through, but then
0: I just chose a whole chapter
2: So yeah, we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit
1: Yeah, but the next one I have is another well-known one, Jeremiah 29:11, And it says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil To give you a future and a hope. And people look at that and they're like, well, it doesn't really matter what I'm doing. I've got a future. I've got a good Mm -hmm. life here on earth. And when you look at the rest of Jeremiah, it is talking about the disobedience of Israel. And that promise was for the restoration following the judgment. And it's not just for us to look at and be like, yeah, we have a great future planned for us. We don't have to worry about anything. Um, Just to give more context to the verse, I'm going to read from verses 10, 11, and 12 starting at 10, for thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart.
2: Yeah, so to to kind of give a little bit of background with that, with Jeremiah, this is towards the beginning, several years into where Babylon King Nebuchadnezzar has come in, taken Israel captive. God is talking to Israel as a nation. He's talking to Jeremiah. He's saying, "I know the plans I have for you. Don't, don't worry. Trust me. I have got this.
0: When the seventy years are up,
2: exactly. When the seventy years are up, I will move. I will get things going. Trust me in
1: this.
0: Yeah, my plans are bigger." My plans are better.
1: So moving on to my next verse that I have, again, probably one of the most well-known verses, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Something I wanted to point out was most people er, will skip over the word believe and they will sub in acknowledge that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. They don't see that as believe. They just see it as those who acknowledge in him and understand that he's real. Not even understand, just like say that he is real and that you believe in it, but you really don't because you're not living out the lifestyle that it would call you to. Another verse to read it is John three thirty six. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. And it just furthers the point that it will push you, believing in this sacrifice will push you to a life that this verse is calling you to live. Going back on the last episode, it furthers the point that Scripture interprets Scripture. So, yeah, that's...
0: And and you run into a danger when you take this verse out of context <clears throat> and you you focus on just this believing or acknowledging. Hey, Satan and the demons believe in God. Yes. They believe in Christ but they're not obedient. They are fallen. So, when there is a salvation experience, there is a lifestyle change. There there is a turning away from sin. Not complete perfection, but there is evidence of a life change when you actually believe and make him the Lord of your life.
1: And we were talking about last week, your, I think you said co-worker or something, like whenever you got into a car with someone, they were like, I wouldn't expect you listening to this. Like when you are obedient, people should expect that. Like they should not be surprised when they see you at church or yeah, listening to that makes sense. worship music. Like
0: Absolutely. So Carter, that actually is a great segue into the next verse that I have. And this one's going to step on some toes, going to make you a little uncomfortable. Let's do it. I'm excited about it. Matthew 7, verse 1, judge not that you be not judged. So how is that taken out of context? Well, you see that all the time when people want to justify their own bad behavior. Don't judge me. Or the famous tattoo. Only God can judge me.
1: Or don't judge a book by its cover. That one actually okay, is
0: yeah, kind of accurate, though. I'm okay with that because I'm heavily tattooed and I'm the nicest guy in the world. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> totally kidding. Sorry, guys. But anyway, um, people want to use this. And you see this a lot with homosexuality where they say, you can't judge a person just because they're they're a homosexual. You can't judge their spiritual walk, their relationship with God. Well, that's not quite what Jesus is saying here. If you actually look, you read ahead and you look at verse uh, 16 of the same chapter, it says, you will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or frig, figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. So he's talking here about our relationship with Christ. If we are a follower of Christ, we are going to bear good fruit. We're going to bear fruit that is obedient to the Word of God, that, that lives in a manner that is worthy of our calling, right? So Jesus is talking in this particular passage about hypocrisy. He's talking about when you overlook your glaring sin to focus on someone's little sin. When you say, well, He's doing this. Okay, yeah, but you're doing that. Like, let's fo- let's get right with God, get on good terms, and then you'll be able to see clearly the sin of others in a church discipline type setting, right? So again, when I see Carter is, is messing up somewhere, I can go to him and say, brother, I, I really think you're struggling with this and, and, I, and I think you need to repent. That's okay. That is a form of judging. We are allowed to have a righteous form of judging other people and judging their fruits, okay. So you look at uh, John seven verse twenty four. It says, "Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment." So right there, Jesus is even saying it is okay to judge in the right context. Also, too, I want to point out we we aren't the ultimate judge. We cannot judge a person's salvation. We cannot pass final judgment. We cannot condemn to hell or or allow entry into heaven. That is true. We cannot judge on that level. But we can tell based on people's actions, based on their lifestyles, based on our own lifestyles, if the relationship with Christ is solid. We just need to understand that not all judgment is bad. We make judgments every single day, right? We we make judgment calls every single day. Not all judgment is bad. Yes, when you are overlooking your own sin, absolutely. But when you are calling out the sin of a brother, or when, you, or when you see someone claiming Christ and you understand that they're not living in a life, living in a manner of that calling, worthy of that calling, there's going to be some judgment. And that's okay, because we need to be able to recognize false teaching, unbelievers, and we have to make judgment calls based on that.
2: And that brings in the accountability aspect. You see one of your brothers, one of your sisters, falling or lay, laying out stumbling blocks, you need to tell them. And uh, and again, looking at translation, going from Greek straight to English, the English word, spoken word, written word, it is very limiting when it comes to the translation from Greek because they have so many different words for different meanings. So like one that I'll get into a little bit later, this one, is so judge. There are different words in the Greek word for judge, whereas in the English, it's just one one. Whereas in the Greek, you have final judgment. You have judgment between brothers. There are so many others.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so for my next one, I actually want to stay in Matthew 7 and drop down a few verses and look at Matthew 7, verses 7 through 11. It says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and, every, and the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give food, or sorry, to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who's in heaven give good things to those who ask him? And I think a lot of people use this as a, almost a prosperity gospel, almost as an excuse to say, hey, if I ask God for this new job that pays this amount of money and I can get myself a nice car, he'll give it to me that's not what this is. You look at the example he uses here. He uses the example of bread. If your son asks you for bread, will you give him a stone? This is talking about God is going to supply your needs, not your wants, not your every desire, not everything you think you want or think you need. He's going to give you your, he's going to meet your needs. He is going to, if you seek him, you will find him. If you knock on the door, he is going to open and he is going to be there. That is what this verse is talking about. It's not talking about God as a vending machine, giving you whatever you want.
1: And this turns a lot of people away from Christianity because they'll read it as that with their own understanding that they'll get what they want because they ask for it just once. And like when that happens, you gotta ask yourself the two questions, or not the two questions, but just like like is it what you actually need or do you just want this, and are you asking enough? It like sometimes we're not just gonna get something because we pray about it once.
0: It's- well, it's consistency, but it's also motivation. Are you praying for these? things, if if we're (laughs) going to stick on the topic of things, which is what people use this verse for, are you praying for things out of your own will or out of God's will? That's the key. That's the key.
2: That's the key. John chapter 15, verse 7. If you abide in me, keyword abide, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. That is key. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. He's talking about his will. If you are praying for something and he's not giving it to you, and you're like, well, I keep praying for it. And he said, pray for it and he'll give it to me. It's like, for one, you're probably praying for the wrong things. Two, praying the wrong way. Or three, he's just, by not answering you, he's saying, not yet. And that's it. It's his will. You need to be praying for his will be done.
0: And when you are abiding in him and his word is abiding in you,
2: your wants are his wants. Your, wa- your desires yeah. are his
0: desires. And you will be able to accept whatever answer is given to you. And that's a good way to look the at no, it, The no, the not yet, the yes, the maybe. Well, not maybe. God doesn't deal <laughs> in maybes. But you know what I mean, though. Maybe in a little bit. The not yet, the no, the yes. You will be able to accept that because you are in him. And you understand that as Paul says, in want or in need, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me.
2: Yeah. And that's a really good way to look at it. When you're praying for something and it's not coming to fruition, you're you were on your knees really asking for something. And it could not even be a physical thing for something to happen, a sign, whatever, whatever it may be, and it's not happening, reevaluate. Okay. Look at it from the aspect in the lens of Okay, this is not coming to fruition. Does this mean this is not the will of God? Then restructure your prayer. Okay, Lord, if this is not your will, move on
1: from there. Carter, I love you got it when we build buddy? off of each
0: other. It's yeah, cool. it's awesome.
1: Yeah, and I'm going to be staying in Matthew, go, jumping up to chapter 18, verse 20. For where two or three are gathered, in my name, there I am, there am I among them. And for the longest time, I didn't know what this meant. And I used that out of context. And it's not just saying if two or three people are hanging out, like us three are hanging out right now. And like, say we're just, we're not doing something like biblical or spiritual, like what we're doing, like filming, recording a podcast. Say we're just like playing video games. That's not what, it doesn't mean that he's there with us. Like it, if you go in the Starting at verse 15, the passage is labeled, If your brother sins against you, and I'm going to read those. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church.
2: Absolutely.
0: That's great. And it's just great. like
1: what you were saying earlier going to your brother in sin, this is backing that up, saying it is okay to judge and like call out your brother sin. And this is this is what that passage is about. Yeah.
2: And we've all used it that way. <clears throat> we've used it wrong. And I'm sorry if you think that way thinking that you and a couple friends in a basement outside talking about God brings in this, it it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. Now, with that being said, that's not saying God isn't there, because we know God is everywhere at all times. So but that's course, just not what this is saying. Exactly. That's not what this is saying.
0: <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. And that's great. And that is always one that you hear again, even from the pulpit, you hear, well, God, your word says we're two more that gathered. There I am in the midst. Well, you know what? <laughs> Honestly, as a believer, if, if you have the Holy Spirit inside you, he is already in the midst. He's he is there. with you always. He is there. A lot
1: of whenever like pastors will use this out of context, context they'll be like they won't care like if God is pleased by their service. They're just like, well, we had a great attendance. We had two or three people. We're good. We had a thousand people. That means Jesus was here a bunch, but <laughs> that's not even close to what it means. So do you have one more, Carter? Yeah, but it in, you can do. Oh, no, go for it, man. Go for it. All right. Well, I'm gonna be leaving Matthew finally. jumping back to the old testament now let's do it going into psalm chapter 37 verse 4 delight yourself in the lord and he will give you the desires of your heart and what we were just talking about like people are like well i'm a christian now god's gonna give me whatever i want whatever i want like what we've been saying pretty much this whole episode but like they will fully skip out on that first part delight yourself in the lord and just skip to that Ooh, that's free stuff. I'm a Christian. I'm about to get a bunch of free things right now, and they will just fully skip out on delight yourself in the Lord. And to read the verse before that, verse three: Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Again, just solidifying that it's not just going to give you whatever you want. You need to delight yourself in Him and befriend faithfulness and be faithful to His Word and to Him and to His calling for your life. So,
2: and and it goes back to abiding. If yeah. you are abiding, you and him, and him and you, your desires will be his. Of him, they will be his desires.
0: So I want to go, and I want to. I just want to do one more, and we're going to get into Austin's chapter. I'm so sorry. No, guys. do not apologize. <laughs> I'm actually really excited for for what you got going on. It um, is my
1: favorite chapter, and it has been my favorite chapter since like 2019. So yeah, Ooh, hey, heck yeah, right. let's
0: do it. So uh, I'm going to do one more, and it, it's Philippians 2.12, because I think this is important for us to understand the context of this. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. A lot of people, a lot of people, and this this goes into more of the legalistic side of things. A lot of people want to add works to salvation. They want to add something to the gospel. The gospel is Jesus' blood paid for our sins, and there's nothing we can do to earn it. It is all him. People want to take this verse, Philippians 2.12, and add words. So I just want to give a little context about what Paul is saying here. What Paul is not saying, first of all, is that you need to do something for your salvation, that you need to do anything to earn it. He is not talking about working out your salvation in the sense of, I need to continuously do things to please God, therefore I'm saved. That That is not at all what he is saying.
2: Because you can't.
0: It cannot refer to salvation by works. And there are so many verses that fly against the salvation by works, right? You look at, uh, for it is by grace you have been saved, not of works, lest any man should boast. Okay. It cannot mean salvation by works. What Paul is saying is that it is our responsibility to actively pursue obedience. It is our responsibility to actively pursue obedience, not salvation. When we accept Christ, when we accept that we are sinners, that there is nothing we can do to earn our way to heaven, and that his blood is the only way to heaven, our goal to work out is to actively pursue obedience. To become more Christ like to be holy as I am holy. There is not anything that you can do to earn your salvation. I really want to just drive that point home. I keep saying I keep saying the same little phrase over and over again, to actively pursue obedience, not to earn your salvation, because that is a point that needs to be hammered into our heads. And to say that you can earn it is to like it's taking away that it's the free gift of God. Yeah, well, it, 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 devalues, power, yeah, yeah. yeah. it it
2: devalues, yeah. Yeah. It devalues Christ's
0: sacrifice. Yeah. And it takes away God's power. That is not the point of the gospel.
2: Because heads up, guys, none of us are worthy of what Christ did for us. <laughs> worthless. Like, the, the word that comes to mind is worthless. We are worthless.
0: Let, let me just read verse 13 real quick, just to kind of wrap this, this particular verse up here in, in Philippians 2. And I, I'm going to start with 12 again. Therefore, which, by the way, I just want to say, when you see the word therefore, it is really important to read before. Yes. That little passage, okay? Because he is he is... He is saying, because of this, this. Because of that, this. Okay? But I'm not going to read it for time's sake. But (laughs) go back and read the rest of uh, chapter two. That's your homework. That's your homework for this episode. Read Philippians 2. But I want to read the last, the the verse. uh, But I want to read the next verse. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now... Not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So what does that mean? We are deriving our strength to obey from God, from the Holy Spirit. We are getting our will to obey, our desire to obey from God, from the Holy Spirit. We need to then again I'm gonna say it you've heard me say it seven times I'm not repeating myself because I'm tired I am repeating myself because this is important and it's important that you repeated it seven times complete hey. a <laughs> actively pursue obedience not salvation actively pursue obedience
1: somehow most of our verses that we've just had all like did that same point without planning like we did all our research and got all our verses on our own. Separately, on our yeah, on our own separately. We didn't. We discussed what verses we had, so there was not like me having the same verses as him. But we didn't like say, "I got this one, you do this one," which is really cool to see how a lot of them were tied together. Yeah,
0: Yeah. absolutely, and and such a great transition to being tied together to Austin and his behemoth of a chapter taken out of context. (laughs) Austin, you have the floor, my friend.
2: Yes. So again, this is this is one of my favorites. Granted, I. I try not to have favorite scripture because, again, the scripture is complete. It is whole. It is infallible. It is God's breathed word. So I'm going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Many Christians refer to this as the love chapter. And for time's sake, this entire chapter I would love to get into... I would love to just dive into it and take an entire segment of our time. But alas, we don't have that. So I am going to be looking at the love aspect of it. I will read throughout the whole through the whole chapter. It's not that long. I'll go ahead and read the whole chapter, and we're going to look at the love aspect of it. So here we go. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. So whenever you go to a Christian wedding, what is the verse that they always point out? Love is patient. Seven. Yeah. Love is patient. Love is kind. That was a really bad country episode. Anyway, (laughs) that was was good. Uh, We'll get into accents later. Will we? No, we won't. No, we won't. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, wait, we don't have enough segments for that. That's next week's episode. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, looking at it from that aspect, from a marriage aspect, a man and a woman turning into a husband and wife. Yeah. Yeah. This plays into that. But that's not all what it's talking about. And and again, I'm looking at love, especially in today's day and age. Love is misused, misdirected. And again, l- looking at the Greek versus the English, l- the English only has one word, and that's love. Greek. The Greek have seven. I'm only going to get six because one of them is uh, kind of wonky, so I'm not going to touch on that. You can look it up. It's, it's where we get the word for pragmatic. I think it's pragma pragma you guys can look that up i'm not
0: sure i've even heard of that one
2: yeah it's it's a it's a newer age ancient greek word i didn't i didn't have much time no, no. to look that's cool that one. that's so for me for later yeah, look, yeah. At, look it up later so i'm gonna dig into the ne- definitions of each one looking at six of them and I'm, I'm gonna look at a few other things so for number one context wise chapter 13 is smack dab in the middle of chapter 12 what is chapter 12 paul is writing the corinthians talking about spiritual gifts okay (laughs) then he throws chapter 13 in there and then chapter 14. chapter 14 is how to use those spiritual gifts so it's like okay paul was this a mistake do you just kind of oh well this was a side note let me throw this in here real quick before i forget no no this was from god god spoke through paul he had paul write this down in this way, in this manner, for a reason. So, 1 Corinthians 13, it's different from every other chapter in Corinthians. It's poetic, it's gentle. Whereas the others, they're they're rigid, they're straight to the point, they're precise. And again, it's smack dab in the middle of 12 and 14. Why? Looking at it from the spiritual gifts aspect, the only way that any spiritual gift can properly be used is in an atmosphere of love. Uh, Looking at... You know, the fruit of the Spirit. What is the first fruit of the Spirit that Paul lists out? Love.
0: Side note on that. Heard a theory once. Chew on it. Okay. We'll talk about this later. Chip some wisdom in my melon. The fruit of the Spirit is love. The rest following, the list following, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, all define love.
2: I, I've heard something like that. I'm not
0: saying that's right or wrong.
2: Yeah. We can talk about it. Let's something to about. think about. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. Okay. That's a good one.
0: Sorry, I like squirrel moments. We have a big list of... <laughs> we like, have so
2: we'll many, we'll many things
1: to get into. Such a long list. We'll talk list. about all of them on February 31st.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right, back to you, Austin. Reeling it back. <clears throat> so,
2: throughout the, the entire chapter, chapter 13, love. In Greek is agape. Agape, what is that? What does that mean? So, agape is unconditional Okay, before I keep going with agape, I'm going to list out several others and I'm going to give a little bit of comparison with them. So first I want to talk about is eros, E-R-O-S. This describes sexual love, okay, between a man and his wife, or even just in general between a man and a woman. Okay, they don't even have to be married. This is just the sexual interaction between them. Eros.
0: That's where we get the word erotic.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Next is philia, P-H-I-L-I-A. This refers to brotherly love or a friend's bond. So, eros, this is a love that takes. You you don't give anything, you take it. Your sexual desire, that is something you take. Philia, brotherly love, friend bond. That is a give and take relationship. You give something, you get something in return. Ludus, L-U-D-U-S. It is a playful, flirtatious love. It is also, I believe, we're the root word, lewd, lewd behavior, lewd behavior. Okay, yeah. The next is, I don't know how to say this, philautia, 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 P-H-I-L-A-U-T-I-A. That is self love, loving of one's self, and again, that is taking as well. Ludus is taking. Agape. Unconditional, ever giving, never taking, perfect. It is known as God love. It gives, gives all day long without any sense of taking, never wanting to take. Okay. The entire time you were running through chapter 13, it is talking about agape love, the fruit of the spirit, love. That is agape love. So, Chapter 12 spiritual gifts transition to chapter 13. They all mean nothing if you are not living your life in agape, in love to God and to people. So and so the the transition from chapter 12 to chapter 13 again, like we've talked about context, looking at it from it's a letter. Okay, it's not he wrote this section for spiritual gifts and then moved on. So. Chapter 12, the ending of verse 31, moving into chapter 13, looking at it from a letter. But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. If I speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, agape, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Again, there is a reason why it is directly in the middle of talking about spiritual gifts Chapter 13, love, and then talking about how to use those gifts. It is so important. So, verse 4, agape is patient. In other translations, like uh, New King James, King James, I believe it uses long-suffering. When you are reading this, I want you to look at it from Christ's perspective to the church. Okay, And as I look at that myself, I am looking at it from a husband's perspective to his wife, as I am the spiritual leader of my wife, loving her this way and i fail a lot uh but i'm i'm trying so love is patient agape agape is patient it is long
0: suffering and this goes back to i think to the standard that god sets for us the standard is perfection the standard is holiness and in that standard we need to have unconditional perfect love for god and for one another will we succeed at that this side of heaven absolutely not <laughs> yeah but This is the standard. Perfect love is the standard.
2: Yeah, definitely. So moving on. Love is patient.
0: Love is kind. Envy. Love
2: does not envy. A feeling of discontent or resentful longing brought on by someone else's possessions, qualities, or opportunities. Or boast. Boasting. Talk with excessive pride and self-satisfaction about one's self. That refers back to the, again, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, phileutia, self-love. Next is arrogant. Love is not arrogant. Unpleasantly proud and behaving as if you are more important or no more than another person. Rude. Love is not rude. Rude is offensively impolite or ill-mannered. Love does not insist on its own way. You are not always right, especially (laughs) coming from a guy talking to his wife. I need to keep that in mind. I am not always right. I am not perfect, especially when it comes to Scripture. I know I do not know everything, so I need to keep checking that, making sure I am always in Scripture, making sure I know that. Irritable. A tendency to be easily annoyed or made angry. That is something I struggle with. I get very irritable. I get frustrated. Something keeps presenting itself over and over and over again. Uh, I have children that like to come up and tap me. And they keep tapping me until I answer them. I'm like, what? Like They ask me a question, like, or not even a question. They say, daddy, I love you. I'm like, okay, I feel awful. now. Like, Thank you, I appreciate that. <laughs> so irritability, being frustrated, very important. Resentful, feeling or expressing bitterness... Or indignation when you feel like you have been treated unfairly. Love does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. That is very important as well. Love is a true love. Agape love is able to decipher truth. The Greek word for truth is aletheia. It is able to decipher and (laughs) able to detect aletheia versus the wrongdoing. Love bears. Agape. Agape bears all things it suffers, it endures, it abides, it tolerates standing. It stands meaning to put up with something trying or painful. The power to sustain without flinching or breaking. To bear. God's love bears all things. Believes. God's love believes all things. Believe what your spouse, your brother, Your sister in Christ tell you. Most important, believe in God's logos. Believe in God's words. Hope. Hope all things. And every aspect of your life. Sickness. Death of a family. Member. Friends. Calamity. Disaster. A country falling apart. Most importantly, hope in Christ. Our hope is in Christ. Agape. Endures. Love endures all things. To suffer. Something painful or difficult patiently. An example, a cheating spouse, a death of a loved one, to endure. When someone... I love this word. I love it when someone can tell you to endure. For me, that's a very impactful, very strong meaning word.
0: So, can we then say, I endure you? Ooh, that's a good question. Yeah. I suffer. I I can suffer through your stuff. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, that that goes
0: back to bear, you know, <laughs> of course, to bear. Of I say that a little tongue-in-cheek, but honestly, like, yeah. it, perfect love puts up with our nonsense. Yeah. Right? Because that's what God does. He puts up with our stupidity, for lack of a better term. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well,
2: and I always go back to, oh, goodness, help me out. I forgot. Uh, there's a prophet, Old Testament, the end, towards the end of the Old Testament, where God says, I want you to go out and find a prostitute. Oh, um, Uh, It's an H. Hosea. Is it Hosea? Hosea, I I hope we don't get that wrong. Might have to look that up. But yeah, I think it's Hosea. Yeah, he, he says, go out, find a prostitute, marry her. And then when she goes out to other guys, bring her back. And then she'll go out to another guy, bring her back. And that is, you know, that is Israel to God. That is the church to God. We are constantly leaving God, going to other things And we are cheating against God and looking in that, in that way, say you're a man with a wife that is leaving you, or you're a wife with a man leaving you, endure, endure. So again, towards the end, agape never ends. Love never ends. And it's that thing of God is love. Oh, God is love. God is love. God is grace. God is peace. God is love. Yeah. Yeah, he is agape love, but you need to realize that's perfect love. As in, and when you're talking about God, you're talking about justice, wrath, peace, grace, vengeance. God has not changed from the Old Testament to the new. He has been the same. He has never changed. So when it comes to love, keep your context. Even in the everyday things, when you're looking at a table, like, oh man, I love that table. No, you do not love that table. You like that table. When you're looking at a flower, oh, I love that flower. It's beautiful. No, you do not love that flower. You like that flower. There, There is a big difference. If in the English language, ex- especially, unless you're going to start using Greek, if you were <laughs> using the English and you were going around using the word love, be very careful on what you are using that for. Because therefore, it's just another word and it's lost all power.
1: But what if that cup of coffee just tastes so good? I have to say it.
2: It is exquisite. <laughs> there are other English are words, other words. Yeah. for that thing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, it, I mean, I don't even really like coffee. That was just an example. Uncultured swine. I like cold coffees. I don't like hot coffees, really. Get out of here. Or hot drinks.
0: Well, <laughs> it, it honestly, I look at that passage that you read and, and, and I look at it less as, especially now that you've gone through it, I see it less of a husband and wife love. You know what, like you said, marriage ceremony at every wedding, at every wedding, and more of a call to action. More of a, this is your standard. Yes, this is a challenge to you as a believer, as a follower of Christ, to have these characteristics, to be holy as I am holy. This is your challenge. Yeah, this is your challenge. And when Christ is talking, you will. They
2: will know you by how you love one another, how you love. The the people that you're talking to. Agape. He's talking about agape love. It is that perfect love. Now, just for you guys to know, you will never obtain that. I will never obtain that. Agape love is perfection. That is God's love. It is something to strive for. It is something to work on. But we will never be able to get to that point. But the point is, try.
0: The point is to actively pursue obedience. Yes. That's awesome stuff. Well, guys, thank you all for listening. A couple things. One, if you know of any other verses or think of any other verses that you have seen taken out of context, or you would maybe want us to discuss that you maybe don't understand, please email us, contact us on our website, logospod.com. Rooted in Logospod at gmail.com, or you can contact us on the or, website itself.
1: Or we each have the Carter at or Brad at or Austin at.
0: Absolutely. That is one thing we haven't done yet. We've had a lot of great feedback, but no one has emailed us yet. So I'm going to challenge you all listening to email us at some point this week and give us some ideas. Give us some thoughts. Well, we did get an email.
1: Was it? It was a family movie of yours. Her last name was Loop. Yes. Is that your mom? Yes. Oh, I did see that. Yeah. That's hey, right. Mom. Yeah. I was, I was going to say that. You did say in the first episode, hi, mom. I did. Saying,
0: Brad was like, I don't know if anyone will listen to this. So. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. I, I did see that email. Yeah. I apologize. Thanks, Brad. I yes, appreciate Brad. It. I'm sorry. Thank you, Austin's mom. Yeah. <laughs> I read it. <laughs> I mean, I did read it too, yeah. now that you mentioned it. But uh-huh. okay. Anyway. How come <laughs> I
2: haven't read it? <laughs> I don't, I don't.
0: It's because you have Juno. I'm so yeah, what idea. is that? I have what a is Juno <laughs> email <Anyway>. account. <laughs> guys, again, thank you so much for listening. We are again just so humbled by the outcome or by the outpouring of support uh, from our community and then people that actually I don't know I've seen commenting on stuff. So guys, any last words?
1: Make sure you are doing your research and make sure you are not taking words out of context or not words, taking verses out of context because when you think about it, you can make anything say anything you want, and that's very dangerous
0: when it comes to Scripture. That's actually what Satan does, is he twists Scripture yeah. to get us to do things we aren't supposed to do. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> or what, believe things we aren't supposed to believe. Yeah.
1: yeah, That's what Satan did to
2: Christ. He quoted Psalms mm-hmm. to Christ. right? And the only way that we are able to fight that is by knowing Scripture. What did Christ do? He used Scripture against Satan. Look at the very beginning when Satan is talking to Eve He said, did God really say that? And she didn't know. What Adam should have done is he should have stood in the middle, right in front of Eve, right in front of Satan, and said, yes, he did say that. Do you want to know why? I was there. I heard it. He said it to me. We need to know scripture because that is how we fight. Why? Because
0: it is the sword. And everything we say, go back and verify it.
2: Yes, look at every single thing we say.
0: Go back and verify it. Do not take our word for it. A, we could be wrong on some things. I mean, maybe not so much me, because, you know, eh, it doesn't have very. Totally kidding. Totally kidding. No, seriously, though. (laughs) Take everything we say and compare it to scripture. Yes. And if you see something, say something, as the uh, TSA says. There you go. Mm -hmm. If you see something, say
2: something. And again, looking at as you're reading, make sure you are praying. Because remember, it is a two-way conversation. If all you're doing is reading, you're not praying, he's speaking to you. How are you speaking to him? If all you're doing is praying, but you're not reading, okay, you're talking to him, but how is he going to answer you? As you're reading, pray that, Lord God, give me your understanding, realizing that
1: the understanding comes from the Spirit. I am just one last verse I want to leave you guys with is Psalm 119, 11. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And with that, stay rooted in the Word, stay rooted in the Logos.
0: Couldn't have said it better myself. We'll see you next week.
2: Thank you for listening to our show. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever else you listen. Also, please help us out by leaving a five-star review. If you want to connect with us or suggest a topic, email us at rootedinlogospod at gmail.com. Logos, L-O-G-O-S, pod at gmail.com. Or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Rooted in Logos Pod.